spoils. It wasn't Joshua that conquered all of the land of Canaan. It was David. David's reign solidified everything. But if David wasn't able to move on with his life and stayed in his sorrowful phase, then we, he wouldn't have such a successful kingdom, nor his people would have had such a successful kingdom. And as we go through life, there are people who struggle with guilt, and that's the reason why they can't move on with their life. I'm sure David had some guilt. He said, I could have said this better to persuade my best friend Jonathan not to die out in battle. I could have worded it this way where I persuaded him to come with me or I should have forced him. There were perhaps some guilt. There was perhaps some guilt in his mind when he was sorrowing over the death of his best friend. Perhaps there's a sin that you're going through and because this sin is just so great and powerful, it's hard to overcome and to just move on from that sorrowful phase and just go forward. There are people who have regrets in their lives. I mean, everybody does. Everybody has regrets in their lives. Things that they wish that never happened to begin with. Things that they are incredibly embarrassed about. Things that they are trying to run away from. There are regrets that you go through and it's hard to, it's hard to move on with your life. There are people who lost something precious or lost someone precious in their lives. And they're just well overcome with grief and it's just hard to move on with your life. There are just people who are just plain and tired, just weary. And whatever you're struggling with or whatever you're worried about, you're probably discouraged. Every time you come to church, you're thinking like, what's the point? I'm just putting in an extra effort. Every time you read your Bible and pray, you're like, what's the point? I'm just going to go back to zero or it's not going to really do me much good. And you do face disappointments along the way as you try that. So you're just weary about the whole thing, just sick and tired. Perhaps you're going through a trial and the trial is so great. And I don't know what kind of suffering you're going through, but it's hard to move on after that. I don't know what it is that's preventing you from moving on with your life. But I want to tell you something. There are some things that we can glean from King David's life, what helped him to move on, that I hope the Holy Spirit can show you as we go through this passage. The title of my message today is Move On. Let's pray. Now, Father, all I can do is trust the filling power of your Holy Spirit and the cleansing of your blood to preach this message, God, I know and you know more than I know. There are plenty of other people who can preach this better than I could. And maybe this is not the topic for me to preach, but I'm just doing the best that I can. And you do your way, Lord. You never failed one time. And even at times where I thought it was failure, you worked it for good. You never failed me once. Prove yourself again, Heavenly Father, for being a great God and minister to somebody Somebody here who needs to move on. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Now my first point is go to 2 Samuel chapter 1 and verse 25 through 27. The first point is sorrow. Sorrow. It's very plain right here. David is going through so much sorrow. How are the mighty fallen in the midst of the battle? O Jonathan, thou wast slain in thine high places. <laughs> I am distressed. Mark that, I am distressed. Not was, not I'll get over this. No, I am, present tense. 
distressed for thee, my brother Jonathan. Very pleasant hast thou been unto me. Thy love to me was wonderful, passing the love of women. How are the mighty fallen and the weapons of war perished? David is in so much sorrow. He is under so much stress. And that is what you're going through right now. You are in distress. And I can preach all I want. You will get out of your distress or the distress will go behind you. But let's be honest. It's not was distressed or will be out of this distress. You are, present tense, am, I am distressed. And whatever guilt you're going through or whatever regret there is in your life or if you're just sick and tired or whatever trial and suffering that you're struggling with or a sin or a temptation that you're struggling with and if you lost something precious or someone precious or something in your life that's precious sometime that happened to you something precious in your life nothing seems to make you move on with your life because I am distressed and let's be honest, I can preach endless sermons and if you go through my playlist, I have like so many sermons just on suffering. Just on suffering. Uh, there's just a galore of sermons and it doesn't matter if it was a blessing to many people out there. It doesn't matter if I preach on the same topic over and over again. The point is, it's not doing you a lick of good. And let's be honest, it helps somebody out there, many people out there, but not you. You are distressed. You are under so much sorrow. You already know all the answers. You studied the Bible. You memorized your verses. You read your Bible. You prayed. And you know all the answers. You wrote it down. You memorized it. You're practicing it. Listen, I'm trying to talk about human nature. I don't doubt God's power. His way is always the right way. The spiritual thing will always help you to move on with your life. But I'm just speaking as a human, okay? Let's get into the flesh right here. Nothing seems to work. You're just trapped. You're, you are distressed. That sounds great. That sounds nice. And I know in my heart that's true, but I can't move on. I prayed till I prayed through, I fasted, I can't move on. I practiced all the spiritual principles. Pastor Bevan's welder had some great tips on these four sermons that would help me move on with my life. That didn't work. Every blowout preacher that preached their, heart, heart, their hearts out, that yelled at me, that convicted me, that were powerful preachers, my pastor brought along the best pastors here. And let's be honest, I'm in distress. It didn't help me. I even searched for preachers out there. I listened to Dr. David Peacock. I listened to tons and hundreds and thousands of his sermons and messages. I listened to many other Bible-believing preachers out there. I listened to David Walker. I listened to Kyle Stevens. I listened to Dennis Knowles. Nothing works. I tried it all because I'm under distress. Let's just speak as a human. And you know what? Believe it or not, you're right. You're right because... The problem with us Christians is we think we have all the answers and then when we give it to somebody and they can't move on with their lives, we just get indignant 
and impatient and say, you can't move on. There's a problem with you. Because we have all the answers set up. But then when you go through the sorrow and then you know all the answers and you preached it, guess what? You're still in distress too. Then you realize you're just as much in trouble as that other person that you're impatient with. Nothing seems to work. Uh, because why? Because God wants to remind you something very simple. It's so simple, but you forgot. Go to Isaiah 25. Isaiah 25. Isaiah 25 and Romans 8. Isaiah chapter 25. And then look at Romans 8. Why is it as soon as I read my Bible, as soon as I pray, as soon as I sing a hymn, that these things just merely seem like bandages and they don't drive the pain away and I just can't seem to move on? Why is that? Because God wants to teach you something. He wants to teach you that no matter what work you do or what solution you try, that's not going to come down to all those things at the end to solve your problem. But I thought you said the spiritual things work. Yes, they do. But bear along with me before you think that I'm teaching something blasphemous, okay? Just bear along with me and then you'll understand. It'll come to something so basic and simple at the end that everyone, even you, will agree with. Look at Isaiah chapter 25, verse 4. The Bible says, For thou, who's that? That's God, in verse 1. For thou hast been a strength to the poor, a strength to the needy, in his distress. I am distressed, you cry out. Well, God's the one who takes care of your distress. Go to Romans chapter 8, and then verse 35, verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress... Look at verse 37. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. You know what gets you to move on from your distress? God. Yes. Amen. It's that simple. It's that simple. It's God. Amen. Why? Because it's not, hey, I read my Bible, I prayed, I memorized, I crucified the flesh, I listened to all these sermons, I practiced all these principles, and that's how I got over my distress. No, my friend, because you know from your life experience, as soon as you read the Bible, it didn't heal. As soon as you prayed your heart out, it didn't heal. What happened was this. Those things do work. Those are spiritual principles that do work. But God wants to show you that there is not like an instantaneous medicine sin or something that escapes the pain as soon as you read the Bible and magically you get healed. Some people it does, but then let's be honest, there are times it don't. And you just pour your tears on those Bible pages rather than having the joy of the Lord. And then what happens is that when you do all these things, then later on, you're still here. The distress is past you. A lot of you, every one of you went through distress. And I would say probably every one of you tried these spiritual principles. And during that time, there were some moments it didn't just heal you. It didn't get rid of the distress. But today, as time passed by, you got used to that distress. You passed through that distress and put it behind you and you're here today. How come I don't, how come 
you're still here today? How come you're able to do great things still today? How come you receive God's blessing today? How come you're still intact and you all are survivors today? It's only by the grace of God. That's the answer. The answer is because God was in it every step of the way. See, that's the simple answer. It's hard, it's hard to get over someone you love that's lost in your life. But sometime down along the road, as you read that Bible and you pray and you just get to church and you sing the hymn, you crucify the flesh and you just endure through the pain. It just eats up at you and the distress won't leave you. But then as time passes by, you're like, how am I still together? Why am I still here at church? How did this... Yeah, distress was very bad before, but I'm a little bit over it. Why is that? It's called God! He pulled you through. He somehow kept you intact. Because there were those times where you, sp- where you failed doing those spiritual things to help you, but His grace and mercy protected you. It's all God. That's what it comes down to at the end. That's that's how you're going to move on. There's no explanation. There's no explanation. I can give you every single great tip in the book and put hours of counseling and whatever you need and put the greatest medicine on you, but you're going to have to realize this. You will still be in distress. That's not going to cure it. You need to understand that. You need to get that through your thick head. Because the problem is many people nowadays, they seek for some kind of different advice out there that might be instantaneous to their flesh and then just heal that. Never going to happen. Never. It's just God. Just God pulling you through. Only God's grace pulling you through. What a miracle. What a miracle. Sometimes God will always baffle you too. I mean, think about it. How did you get over your distress? Do you remember all of that? How you got over them? Yeah, good. You can't recall every single detail how God put every little thing into place that healed that distress. All you can say, it's only by His grace. Amen, brother. I, this is not intended to convince you or to even comfort you. It's just a matter-of-fact statement that you just need to know. To get you out of that distress is only God. Look at 2 Samuel chapter 2 and verse 1. 2 Samuel chapter 2 and verse 1. I don't know how, but God will always baffle you. He always pulls you through, somehow, some way. Do you recall that? Do you recall everything? How, do you even know how you got over that distress? I can't. There were times I was like in near really bad experiences. I thought I would lose it all. How did I get over that? If I recall, I don't know. Somehow God just pulled me through. Amen. That's how you move on. Somehow God pulls you through. Look at St. Samuel chapter 2 and verse 1. The Bible says, And it came to pass after this. Huh. So notice right here that the only way David could move on is to go after that sorrow. It's to put the sorrow behind him and to go after. What famous verse pops up in your mind after that? Paul said, this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind. 
and reaching for those things which are before. What was Paul doing? I have to move on. I have to go forward. I have to go after that regret, after that guilt, after that sorrow, and put it behind me. Easier said than done. Easier said than done. But that verse says how you put it behind you is to forget it. That verse says forgetting those things which are behind. That's why people drink alcohol. They want to forget it. Even a basic human instinct knows that's what gets them to not move on because they keep thinking about it. You need to forget it. So then what? Drink alcohol? No, the Bible says, and reaching those things which are before. How you put those things behind you and forget it is that you go forward And as you go forward to the good things that will help you in your life, the verse did not say just go, it says reach. What does reach sound like? Reach sounds like a very easy thing to do or does it take a lot of effort? It's effort. And it doesn't, and it says reaching. What does that mean? You constantly have to reach out. So here's the thing is that what what will get you to forget that sorrow so quickly is that you reach so hard to set up and prepare a blowout. You reach so hard in getting all the people lined up. You reach so hard to save up your money for that day. You reach so hard to get those days off of your workplace. You reach so hard in praying that the Holy Spirit will move in. You reach so hard to make sure that the preachers are well rested and then they're able to have the strength and the energy and the joy to be able to minister. You reach so hard to make everybody feel welcome. And then after that, the Holy Spirit just goes in and when people sing and they shout and they run the aisles and the preacher spits at you and preach hellfire conviction and joy in the Holy Ghost you cannot think sorrow after that that's how you forget you're so busy reaching forward when you're so busy reaching forward those things tend to diminish in your mind it's forgetting. Oh, but why, am I, why aren't they forgotten? Why are they still there? The verse is forgetting, reaching. You have to keep on forgetting and you have to keep on reaching. And if you don't do that, that thing will pop up again and that sorrow will prevent you from moving on with your life. You, you want to forget that pain? then move on. How do I do that? Just reach effort, things that you discover, and God will show you things that discover that helps you forget. Why do people think it's only alcohol? There are so many things out there. God gave you his word. God gave you prayer. God gave you brothers and sisters in Christ. He gave you preaching. He gave you verses to memorize, to quote. He gave you so many good things even in this world. Love of people and family and the brethren. He's given you so much. Just keep reaching out and those things will drown out and it don't pop Amen. up to mind. Giving you good food to eat, good clothes, places in spite of a wicked Bay Area, too many beautiful places out here, He's given you so much to drown yourself into, to forget. Imagine going outside in God's wonderful creation. Maybe some of you need a hike. Rather than that gloomy room that's creating that atmosphere, 
And you need to just go outside of God's nature creation with a Bible in your hand and just look at the skies and see how beautiful it is and how great our God is. And then just take time looking at that verse here and there and just talk to him. Not a formal prayer, just talk to him. And then let's see if things will be more forgetful. Let's see if things can heal a little more. You need to reach forward. Look at verse 1 again. This verse 1 is filled with so many gold mines. I can do a textual sermon from this, but I had to do expository. Notice in the second part of verse 1 that David inquired of the Lord. So my second point was shifting, which was, and it came to pass after that. You're shifting, putting things behind you going forward. Now my third point is seeking. Seeking. Now notice that David, he didn't just wallow in the mire on the ground, sorrowing all day long. You know what happens? I guarantee you this. As you wallow, you can cry as hard as you want. Go ahead. You can sorrow as much as you want. Go ahead. You can even just drown yourself in that depressive state as long as you want. But I promise you this. Not even the flesh can do it that long. The flesh at some point cannot sit still. And it's going to say, what am I going to do from here? It's not going to be trapped in that past all day long. The flesh has to do something. You know what you're going to do? The flesh is going to say, I want to eat. I'm so hungry. I want some expensive steak or something. If I don't have money, I'm just going to get like a bunch of double-doubles at In-N-Out or something. Just get a bunch of Popeye's fried chicken after that. The flesh cannot stay depressed. It seeks after something to do. That's why you can move on. You know why? I I promise you this. uh, You will move on. You will. Why? The flesh can't stay that way forever. Why? The flesh is flesh. And if there's something that flesh wants to do is, you know, this is, you're so used to this sorrow. Okay, you already felt that pain. All right, you know that misery. You thought those million dark thoughts already. What now? It's going to want to move on. Amen. And that's what's going to happen is you're going to seek out something to do and move on. You're going to probably say after six months later of not being at church, all of a sudden... Oh, you're at church today. Why? Because it was time to move on. The flesh was like, might as well. I'm kind of curious, you know. What did Robert look like? Did he gain weight, you know? Or (laughs) did Robert Randall finally become serious? He stopped joking, you know? What's going on, you know? Gets you curious. Flesh is curious. Just wants to go, you know? Just wants to go. The flesh is curious. Man, this just room feels so stuffy. I just want to go outside. I just want to get some air, you know. The flesh can't stay locked forever. No man can stay in solitary confinement. Not even the greatest, toughest dude. It has to go something. Do something. Wants to eat out. It wants to do something fun. It wants to seek a new location. Maybe meet somebody. That's what's going to happen. You will move on. You will seek. My fourth point is soaring. Soaring. Look at 2 
Samuel chapter 2, verse 1 again. The no, notice the next part says, And the Lord said unto him, He gave the answer. Yep. This is the answer. Yep. Go up. Go up. Move on with your life. Now, didn't you know that there are people here who are moving on with their lives? Okay, you're moving on, but you just still feel down. I mean, it still eats you up. I mean, you're moving on. You're going to church. You're reading the Bible. You're praying. You're doing all these things. But you just still feel down. And Lord, I'm going along, but uh, I'm not getting healed. And God said, I didn't tell you to go on. And you might go, no, you did. And God's like, are you NIV? Are you NKJV? Read the verse. Go up. You're going, but you're going while you're feeling down. You're going down. You're not going up. You know what you need to do? As you go along, you, you got to do things that don't make you feel down. You got to do things that make you feel up. As you go along, what heals your heart, what gets you out of that sorrow, what makes you move on with your life is you got to have something that feels you up, that makes you feel up, that cheers you up. If it's an encouragement from a brother or sister in Christ, if it's a passage of scripture that comforts you, if it's a sermon that keeps you going and makes you feel up and encourages you or convicts you to make you feel up. It's singing a hymn. Whatever it is, it's like the previous point that I mentioned. As you reach forward, you find things that make you forget the past. But at the same time, as you're reaching, what you're doing is you're finding things that make you feel up as well. That cheers you up. That's what you need to do. As you move on with your life, you can't just go to visitation and street preaching as you feel down. If that's not what God did to heal your heart, you need to find, listen up, this is important, this is not irreverent, you need to find something else to do that makes you feel up. Now, I'm not saying neglect your current spiritual duties for the Lord. That's not what I meant. But what I'm talking about right here is that people, they're, tr they're going for things to move on with their lives, but they're not picking things that really do heal them, that really do encourage them, that makes them feel up. Because what might make Robert Garcia and Jonathan Vaughn feel up as they run around the room in a hymn singing will not work the same with you. And maybe what you need is that alone time with God in prayer. And that's what made you feel up. Why? Because people's personalities, characters are all different. Maybe you need to go outside nature, see God's creation. Maybe you just need to have fun. I don't care what it is. You can go out on a long drive. You can go off on a long walk or go on a long walk on a short pier or do a long walk on a short pier. I don't care. Short walk on a long pier. Whatever. Do whatever it is that gets you up in the Lord and keep moving on with your life. You can't just keep moving on and say, well, I tried everything. No, you did not. You just tried everything wrong. You need to find something right that fills you up and then move on with your life like that. You need to soar. Soaring means to go up. My fifth point, look at verse 1 again. 
Pastor, verse 1 has a lot of answers. Amen. Read it. Look what God says. 2 Samuel chapter 2, verse 1. And David said, Whither shall I go up? So David's like, I want something specific, God. And God's like, okay. And he said, unto Hebron. You know where you need to go? You need to go to Hebron. Hebron means place of the beloved. My fifth point is sainthood. Sainthood. I know, it's hard for you to move on. That's completely understandable. It's hard to move on with your life. So just keep receiving the love of the saints that naturally, that just naturally come in and let you move on with your life. That keep following up with you and say, I am praying for you. I call you say, hey, is there anything I can do? You just need a little bit more of that. You need a little bit more love from the saints. Just let it naturally heal and naturally flow in. And you need that love of the saints. You need to go to Hebron. Why? A lot of the problem with people today, why they don't go to Hebron, is they think they'll be all right doing their own way. Look how you're doing in your own way. You, you already know it's, not, it's hard for you to go up. You need something natural. Something that helps in more naturally to help you go up. Why? Because you don't have the strength. You need the strength of other people. Pull you up. You need that. Go to Hebron. You want to go up? Go to Hebron. Some of you are not in Hebron. You're still in the mountains where David is mourning over the loss of his beloved Jonathan. You need to go to Hebron, the place of the saints, that sainthood where you're just immersed around so much love and care and support. I know you're a Bible believer. I know you're independent. I know you're tough and I know you're not weak, but let's just be honest. You are. And you need people to heal you because you don't have enough energy and strength to heal yourself anymore. You need the person to come in and say, I'm praying for you. You need someone to come in and this is what happens to pastors. You ready for this? There are some things pastors cannot tell other pastors about their problems. But you know what the pastor would say? Hey, can we... Just go out and take a drink. You know, just tea, coffee, boba, whatever. Sure, let's meet. So why'd you want to meet? No, I just wanted to see you, that's all. Go back home. They move on. You know why? Just meeting, even one meeting. One meal can make a huge difference. One thing can make a huge difference. You need love from people. But to avoid the love of people, you have nothing natural to help you. And that's why nothing is natural to you to move on. Everything is effort, striving, work, sweat, sacrifice, tears, and even more tears. My sixth point is supporters, supporters. 2 Samuel 2.2, 2 Samuel 2.2. So my fifth point was sainthood. 
My sixth point now is supporters. This is encouraging. Look at verse 2. So David went up thither, and his two wives also, Ahinoam the Jezreelitess, and Abigail, Nabal's wife, the Carmelite. Now, isn't it amazing, if you already read David's life, the wives went through a raw deal because of David's sin. And David, when he left his wives, there was a bunch of Amalekites that took his wives away. And they could have had a miserable life. They could have been enslaved. They could have even gotten killed. And after all that debacle, they come back home and they hear David is crying and whining, saying, Jonathan's love passed the love of women. And then imagine his wife's hearing that and they're like, You know, you ever had it? Um, sometimes, I don't know if they have this in the college groups, but then sometimes they'll say that, you know, the, their own uh, fraternity or their group as brothers is more precious than the opposite gender or uh, with, than women. Sometimes there's that bond. So it's not something homosexual, okay? It's just that your mind is dirty. You don't think about common sense scenarios in life. So when David said that, imagine his wife saying, come on, you had us and... Because of your sin, that's why we ended up with the Amalekites. They could have left him a long time ago. Isn't it amazing? They were still with him in his sorrow. In his sorrow. No matter how sorrowful your life is, isn't it so good to know that there are people in your lives who, who kept supporting you and never left you? who kept praying for you, encouraging you, and then just wanted to be with you, and then they just did everything they could. They offered, what can I do to help you, pastor? Opened up preaching, counseling, brethren in the church saying, what can I do to pray and to help? Isn't that wonderful? You never had a support system that left you. You even have people in your own home who are not even saved, perhaps, who still never left your side and supported you. Isn't it amazing that God has given you a support system that should have left you a long time ago because of your overwhelming grief, but they just still stuck along with you? They supported you? Why? They're there to help you move on. They're there to help you move on. They never left you. But you know what? Your misery is blinding you from seeing that and you're ignoring them. And there is poor Ahinoam, the Jezreelitess, and there's poor Abigail. Just, they need to be cheered up. They need to be encouraged. But here you are just still wallowing and they're still encouraging you. And you don't even acknowledge that. If you won't move on, Guess what? You're going to eventually lose that support system if you're not careful. Because people will keep contacting you, following up with you, praying for you, but we're not going to keep you up there for many years. Things change in life. You've got to acknowledge them while you can. You've got to move on because your misery is bringing them down with you. You're not going down alone. Do you understand that? In your sorrow, you're not going down alone. You're bringing your supporters, not your enemies, 
not strangers, your own supporters down with you. Move on. Move on. Because they love you. They still want to support you. Move on. My sixth point is somebody else. Uh, seventh point, excuse me. Seventh point is somebody else. Look at Second Samuel chapter 2 and verse 3. Verse 3. And his men that were with him did David bring up every man with his household, and they dwelt in the cities of Hebron. You know, it's not just David that suffered. Do you understand that? His men also suffered. They went through the cave with him. They went without homes with him. They lost their wives. His soldiers almost lost their wives like King David did. They went through as much sorrow as he did as well. They also lost their best friends in that war, not just David. They also lost their best friends in that war, not just David. What made David move on? Because his men were moving on with him. Notice they followed David. As David moved on, he was able to have other people move on with him. You have to think about somebody else. That's what helps you move on. Somebody else who's going through the same sorrow as you. Somebody else who's going through more sorrow than you. Worse sorrow than you. Who have multiple sorrows in their lives. And what will heal you, what will get you to move on, which is a miracle why I have not quit the ministry yet, is because when there's someone that you see who also lost a loved one like you, then what happens is, as that person's crying in front of you, you can't help but feel empathy. Because that person's sorrow is the exact thing you're going through. And it's going on in your mind. And you can't help but extend a hand of compassion and say, I know how it feels. But God pulled me through. He will pull you through too. This verse helped me right here. Maybe it can help you. I prayed this to the Lord and he answered. Maybe he can do the same with you. I found somebody in church that helped me with this advice. Maybe that person can help you. I've learned as I went through these years of pain, this is what helped. What happens is, as you tell these things to that person, what you first doubted, what you first doubted, those spiritual things to help you, now you're using those things to help somebody else. And as you tell that person those things that pulled you through, what happens is your doubt turns to, I must believe what I'm saying to be true. If you don't understand that, wait till you have kids who go through the pain, the same pain and sorrow like you do, and you're trying to convince them what helped them because you're seeing a little bit of what they're going through that you went through in the past. And then it breaks your heart every time they don't listen and they go down and down. And what that, what that makes you do, that makes you even more strong 
It makes you move on more. It makes you more convinced that, no, this helps you. Get out of there. I don't want you to go down. I don't want you to follow that same mistake I did, that same path, that destruction that I went through. You must do this. What happens then, what happened to that immature you, that beginning you back then that didn't believe all that? What made you believe it? Because of somebody else out there you loved that you offered to help. Because what happens with this preacher, which is a miracle, I could have quit a long time ago, is that the preaching that I give to you, and after the pain that I go through, no one here knows the pain that I go through. Thank God I don't know the pain you're going through. But can you imagine that Sunday, tired and weary, as I'm preaching some message to you that's going to help you, that lifts you up, that it's something that I'm going through, perhaps even currently? And I have to preach it with such conviction and power and beg God for on high. It made me convinced more. Praise the Lord. Because what I'm saying to you, God's saying, oh, aren't you talking about yourself? When the parents tell that to their kids, that's a real big thing, right? And then the Lord's like, oh, aren't you talking about yourself here? Well, it's what they call self-projection or something, right? That's a, it's a real thing that when you think about somebody else who's going through the sorrow, it makes you move on. When you have the burden, when you have a risk, somebody great that you love who's going through the same sorrow that you are, and you can't just help but just extend a hand of pity and love and just want them to get out of that. And as you want them to get out of that, you're getting yourself out of that. You have to get out of that. That's what happens. My last verse is verse 4. 2 Samuel 2, 4. And the men of Judah came... And there they anointed David king over the house of Judah. And they told David, saying, that the men of Jabesh-Gilead were they that buried Saul. My eighth point is spirit-filling. Spirit-filling. Notice the sorrow ends here. The sorrow ends when God anoints somebody. Now, if you know the anointing in the Bible, the anointing a lot of time is con- uh, connected to either the Holy Spirit coming in them or filling them. That's what you're going to notice about the anointing of God. When God anoints your life or fills you within that spirit, like David's case, that could be the end of your sorrow. Amen. Look, uh, hear this. Isaiah chapter 10, verse 27. Hear this. And it shall come to pass in that day that his burden shall be taken away from off thy shoulder and his yoke from off thy neck and the yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. One day, my friend, that yoke will break. That yoke will be destroyed because of the anointing. One day there will come a time that the Holy Spirit will fill within you so much and the flesh will feel so dead to you. And I just can't tell you or explain to you. It's something you just have to live through. And some of you know what I'm talking about as you live through it. 
There's, there's going to come a point in time that the Lord will anoint you. You could be at a blowout meeting and all of a sudden it's just gone, that burden. It could be at when you're reading the Bible, spending quiet time with God and you're struggling in prayer and fasting, all of a sudden when you wake up the next morning, it's gone. It could be some time when you just have your experience with God. God encountered with you, had a spiritual encounter with you. And in the middle of the dark as you are crying and you're, or you're just moving along in work and you're just doing the normal thing. And then all of a sudden God met you somehow in some way. And then it's just God. It's just God. Sometime in your life, it's just that you went through pain. Distress. I am distressed. I am distressed. I am distressed. I am distressed. Oh, I'm used to distress. I'm used to distress. I'm going through distress. Used to distress. Oh, I am distressed. Going used to distress. Oh, this helps me a little bit. Oh, that heals. Oh, that makes me happy. Uh, oh, I am distressed. Oh, that heals. That makes me happy. And then it's gone. That's called spiritual growth. It could be that too. You just need to grow as the Spirit fills a little bit time by time. I don't know when, but one day that yoke of yours shall be destroyed because of the anointing of God. And as you go to Hebron and the men of Judah surround you, God will pour that anointing oil on your head as you kneel down in the darkness and in tears. And that anointing will just wash off and destroy that yoke from off thy neck. One day the Spirit will fill you so much that sorrow will no longer bind you. It will come. There will come a time as you move on. One thing that boggles my mind, isn't God the ultimate healer? If he is the ultimate healer, couldn't he heal any disease and sickness guarantee? He should then why is it that there are just some people who can't be healed? We got the greatest healer ever. He should heal anything. Why is it just some people can't be healed and move on? You know one thing I learned as I look through my own life and as I deal with other people going through sorrow? Deep down inside the heart and they don't even know it they don't want to be healed they don't even know that they just don't want to be healed they just want to be in that drowning phase of doubt worry fear Bitterness, don't want to hear anything anymore, don't want any solution anymore. They just don't want to be healed. I have a question. Do you want to be healed? Do you want to be healed? Somewhere inside you, that nature of yours just clings on to that sorrow like a default. Just wants to go back down there. It doesn't want to be healed. Friend, you got the greatest healer that ever lived. Here you're suffering in leprosy, 
crying out, unclean, unclean. And Jesus is passing by you. Just touch the hem of his garment. Let him tell you, be thou clean. It's time to let the sorrow go. Every head bow and every eye shut. Move on.